presente. Bienvenidos a ustedes. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. Okay, not doing any of that. Uh, well, it's great to see all of you. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Two, okay, great. You couldn't have a Cinco de Mayo celebration without some fireworks, right? <laughs> Sorry about that. We'll work that out later. But it's great to see all of you. And uh, qué tan especial es estar juntos con el Ministerio en Español. Bienvenidos a ustedes. Yeah, I hope you uh, appreciated what we just saw, you know, how we get to appreciate and, and participate in the mission work around the world, and in particular ours. Uh, the mission work in Mexico and Central America. And uh, you guys are, are very well known in Mexico and Central America. In fact, brothers and sisters, thank God for you uh, for what you're about to do today because it's going to help them the rest of this year. And if you're a guest here today, I want to welcome you. Uh, today is a very, very special day because today, once a year, we take up a special missions collection for our brothers and sisters in Mexico and Central America and uh, we support them uh, in part. They support themselves for the most part, but we help out a little bit. And uh, we're in the middle of this series called A Passport to the Land of Enough. And what we've been talking about is that we live in the land of, uh, I think it's actually changed the title, uh, the land of more than enough. Right? Wouldn't you say? Uh, because we have, we have so much, uh, we have more than enough. And uh, with so much, we want to give, we want to share uh, with other people. And so that's what we've been talking about. And uh, this is what we're doing today is we're taking up a collection for these 37 churches, close to 9,000 disciples spread through all these churches. And as you saw on the screen, it's just getting started. There's generations of people coming around, neighbors, friends, a lot of things that God is doing. And you and I get to participate in that. You and I get to help contribute to that. And it's a, it's a privilege that we have and that we get to do this and take up a collection. So I'm excited. Not only that, today we're going to celebrate uh, Cinco de Mayo. I, I know if you drove in and you saw, you know, downstairs, there's a party waiting. Okay? Party waiting to happen. And, and it's Joel Serna's birthday today, so I want to wish him a happy birthday. So, so right there, we got th three things to celebrate. We're celebrating a missions collection that we get to take up. We're celebrating Cinco de Mayo, and we're celebrating somebody's birthday. And, and I got one more celebration that we can have afterwards, but I'll save that for the end. But that's something that we do once a year is, is we give uh, to the mission work around the world. And so we have Mexico and Central America, but other regions, the LHH, our neighboring region, the Inland Empire, guess who they take up a collection for in a couple of months? The Middle East. Uh, we've, got, we've got another neighbor that's next to us called the, 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 the Lifeway region. Uh, they're in the Pasadena, San Gabriel area. They're taking up in a collection in a couple months for, for uh, Eurasia and Russia. And so, I mean, we get to participate in something that's really, really incredible that we get to change lives around the world. So I'm really proud of our church. I'm proud of you and, and what you're going to do. And so today we're going to celebrate the the 
the mission spirit. So in this whole series, if you missed any part of it, you can go to our website and watch it. I thought Mike Mead did a tremendous job last week talking about our next generation. Uh, that's our mission. We want to see the next generation make it. You guys that are teens and college students, uh, we want to see you make it. Uh, but this whole series about is giving us perspective. You know, time, time, heart, and money. Not just money, but time and heart are huge. Because wherever your heart is, guess what? Your money and your time follow right along with it. And so we better focus on the heart first today. And I know many of you came prepared. Uh, we have envelopes. And at the end of our service, uh, we're going to be uh, taking up a collection if you brought it with you. Uh, we gave ours online, which is a really nice thing. You know, it just comes right out of your checking account. I highly recommend you give online because it makes it that much easier. In case you forgot your, your checkbook or you lost it, no, you just you never touch it. It just goes, which is, which is awesome. But we're going to have envelopes for you. But that's whole, the whole thing about is getting perspective because a lot of times, you know, living here, we think we don't have enough. We hear commercials over and over and over telling us we don't have enough. We need a little more. You need this. You need that. You're not making enough. You don't have enough. But as you saw in our video, it was a little rough, wasn't it? The sound was a little rough, and the video production was a little rough. That, that's the best that they got, and they're very grateful. And sometimes we take for granted that we have it so good, and we can complain, and we lose focus. And for that reason, I believe we lose the, sp the spirit. And so today, the mission, our investment, is to spread the gospel, the good news of Jesus to Mexico and Central America. We're involved in a mission. But here's the interesting thing about the mission. We take up a collection for the mission work where? In Mexico and Central America. And when you think, I, I want to be a missionary, right? I want to be a missionary. Where do you have to go to be a missionary? Well, we think, we think I've got to go to Mexico, right? Ensenada or, uh, you know, Saltillo, Culiacán. We got to go somewhere else. Managua, we got to go somewhere else to be a missionary. And even though we're taking up a collection to, to, to help the mission work, we have to remember one thing, that we have something in common with the churches in Mexico and Central America. What we have in common is, is there's lost people here just like there's lost people there. And so today, I, I want to talk to us about the mission. Because Jesus is inviting us into a special mission. And I believe as a church, we're in danger of losing that spirit of being missionaries. Because of our, the way we think. We think, well, I'm just a Christian here in the United States of America. Not that I'm a missionary. Okay? And do and, you know the incredible thing that you and I get to do? We don't have to go anywhere to be a missionary. You don't have to leave your car, your job, and go to some place where you might get sick. Or, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult. It's, it's a land of less. You can do it right here in the convenience of your home and your house and your job and, and your place. You get to do that. And so today I want us to massage our heart a little bit. Who are we as a church? And what is Jesus inviting us to? Okay, so 
let's just go back to this commission. These were Jesus' last words before he was ascended into heaven. He had his disciples surrounding him, and look at what he said. He said, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So it was pretty clear what Jesus asked them to do, didn't he? I want you guys to be missionaries. Now that you're my followers, my expectation is that you will go around the world and be missionaries. You know the incredible thing that this is happening around the world in some of the most difficult places? Christ is being preached. But my question is, is Christ being preached here? And are you and I missionaries? Are we obeying this this commission that Jesus gave us to make disciples? You know, and I got to be honest with myself. I I did 10 years of mission work in Latin America, in in South America, Central America. And I got to be honest with myself, do I live like a missionary? If someone were to walk up to, to me and say, hey, what do you do? You know what the answer was when I lived down there? I'm a missionary. No buts about it. I'm a missionary. Because I had an accent. And so they say, where are you from and why are you here? I'm a missionary. See, and, and, and if someone were to ask you and were someone to ask me here today, what would be our answer? What are you doing and why are you here? And could we say with the same confidence, and so I'm trying to change the way I think, and I want to invite you to change the way you think so we can get back to being missionaries like Jesus asked us, commanded us to. And it's an incredible privilege. So you and I are to go and do what? Make disciples. Invite people into a relationship with Jesus and to follow Jesus. And you and I can do this. As we saw in the video, that little old lady made a disciple of her daughter, who made a disciple of her husband, who made a disciple of her daughter and granddaughter and neighbor and and on and on and on, right? You could say they're missionaries. But are we missionaries? After some years, have we lost the missionary spirit? He goes on to say, baptizing them, when you've made disciples out of them, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus makes a promise here. What's that promise? I'll be with you. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to wonder if Jesus is with you. He made the promise. He made the promise, I will be with you. Do you receive that promise this morning? Do you accept that promise? It's an unconditional promise. I'm with you. I will be with you. Now here's, here's what's happening. Jesus is with us, but guess who does the leaving? Guess who does the wandering and the straying? We do. We get distracted. We pull away from Jesus. We pull away from our relationship. We pull away from his heart. We pull away from his commission. And we pull away from other people and we become just like everybody else in the land of enough. 
And so today I want to invite all of us, and this includes me, that we go back to being what Jesus asked us to be before he left, that we'll be missionaries. I want to, I want to share with you about a guy in the, in the, uh, in the second century, you know, because it was generational then. You had the apostles, Jesus, then the apostles, and then I want to introduce you to Polycarp. He was one of John, the apostle John's disciples. And this took place about 160 A.D. in the, in the city of Smyrna. And you see about the city, it was in basically where Turkey is now. And there's a letter in the book of Revelations to the church in Smyrna. And Polycarp was 86 years old when we pick up this story about Polycarp. He was one of John's disciples. He was one of the last remaining followers of the disciples of Jesus. He was a treasure. See, because you could be close to the followers of Jesus because he was one of John's disciples. Imagine being able to sit with him, fireside chat, and say, John, or, or Polycarp, what was it like to be with John? You know, and what, what stories did John tell you about Jesus? I mean, imagine being that close. And Polycarp did a lot of writing for the, for the first and second century church. And you can read about it. You can Google it and read about what he wrote. But we're going to read about his story today and how he died. During this time in the second century, many disciples, followers of Jesus, were volunteering to be martyrs. They said, yeah, go ahead and kill me for Jesus. I volunteer. Polycarp said, no, that's not the way we do it. You don't volunteer to be a, to be a martyr, okay? You've got to be around as long as possible. Why would you want to be around as long as possible? Because you want to make Jesus known. So he's 86 years old, and they're after him because he's one of the primary leaders of the church in Smyrna. He's considered like a grandfather of the church, very powerful in faith and deed. And so they grabbed some of his disciples, who they knew, and they began to torture them. Tell us where Polycarp is, and we'll stop the pain. And so finally, some of these disciples of Polycarp gave him the information. They found Polycarp, and they arrested him. And I want to read for you uh, how he was arrested and, and what exactly happened, because it's an incredible story. There was an eyewitness who wrote down exactly what took place when he got arrested. And they took, they took Polycarp to the pro-council, who was the Roman official in the city of Smyrna. And at this time, Christians were not beloved. They were hated. They hated Christians in the Roman Empire. And they were killing Christians. Interesting thing, though, when they killed Christians, they thought they were exterminating Christianity. Guess what happened? It spread. See, because when you kill a Christian, a Christian looks up into heaven and say, I'm coming home. And people are like, what? And so they're drawn to that. They ask questions. You mean there's more to this life than, than, than just what we see? And so they started becoming Christians because of the way these followers of Jesus were dying. Christianity was spreading. So they went after the leaders. Like any strategic plan, you go after the leaders. You take out the leaders. And that didn't work either. Christianity was spreading like wildfire. And so they got Polycarp, and they brought him 
to the town. And I want to I wanna read to you the testimony of the, the witnesses that were there and, and what exactly happened with his death. And it's very, very powerful. And they brought Polycarp. It's called Polycarp was being taken to the arena. And they used to kill Christians in the arena like they do today. You know how they take Christians today and they put them on videotape? And they assassinate them in front of everyone to provoke fear. They did the same thing then. They didn't have videos then. They had arenas. And so they would bring Christians into the arena and they would let them be eaten by wild animals. Or they would burn them alive. Or they would cut them to pieces in a public square. And as Polycarp was being taken into the arena, a voice came to him from heaven. This is really, really intense. There were witnesses. A voice came to him from heaven that said, be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. In other words, be courageous. No one saw who had spoken, but our brothers who were there heard the voice. When the crowd heard that Polycarp had been captured, there was an uproar. The proconsul asked him whether he was Polycarp. On hearing that he was, he tried to persuade him to apostatize. In other words, deny your faith. They always gave him a chance to do this. Deny who you follow and align yourself with Caesar. And so he says, have respect for your old age, Polycarp. Swear by the fortune of Caesar. Repent and deny your faith. Polycarp looked grimly at the wicked heathen multitude in the stadium and gesturing towards them, he said, down with atheists? Or in other words, down with, with these false gods? Swear? He said, and, and then the, the prone council said, reproach Christ and I will set you free. And look at what Polycarp says. 86 years I've served him, referring to Jesus. Polycarp declared, and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? I mean, he's in the moment. He can decide his future. Well, I'll deny Jesus now, but then I'll turn him back, and then he'll forgive me. He could have thought that. That's not his heart, because there's a relationship. He goes on, and the proconsul said, I have wild animals here, and I will throw you to them if you do not repent. Call them, Polycarp replied. It is unthinkable for me to repent from what is good and turn to what is evil. I will be glad, though, to be chained from evil to righteousness. If you despise the animals, I will have you burned. You threaten me with fire which burns for an hour and then extinguished, but you know nothing of the fire of the coming judgment and eternal punishment reserved for the ungodly. Why are you waiting? Bring on whatever you want, Polycarp said. I mean, just imagine yourself there. I'm like, wow. He's 86 years old. Imagine an old man with a beard and gray, and 
He's like, bring what, whatever you got, bring it. I'm not letting go of what I have. I'm not letting go of my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with God, my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I will not let go. The interesting thing that Polycarp shared before is he had a dream a few days before, a vision. And in that vision given by the Holy Spirit, he saw himself lying down on a pillar, pillow of fire. So he knew what was coming. And so it goes on, and the fire is prepared. It was all done in the time it takes. And they collected the wood and the sticks. And the Jews helped with that, and they also participated, and they piled it and made it ready. Polycarp took off his outer clothes, undid his belt, and tried to take off his sandals. And then they lit the fire, and then... The miracle happens. The fire forms a circle around him. In other words, he wouldn't burn. It was, it was intense. All you can do is just, okay, these are witnesses. They were there. They gave their testimony. There was, a, there was like a, a, a sail, two sails of fire around him, but he would not burn. So the proconsul realizes he can't kill him with fire, so he orders that his guards kill him with swords. And so they do. And they stab him and kill him. And there's so much blood that it puts out the fire. This is how our, our brothers died for their faith. You got to ask ourselves, American Christians, here we are in our nice, comfortable church with the air conditioning on and our clothes on, and you got to ask yourself a question. What's happened to us? And I'm not saying we got to go burn and all these other things, but I'm just saying, what about our conviction when we, we're quiet at work? You know, we're, we're a little... I don't know if I'm going to talk to her, talk to him. I don't know if I'm going to give myself time in the schedule, you know, to, 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 to open the Bible with somebody. I mean, he's sharing his faith with the pro-council and everybody who's there. It's very powerful. And, you know, you can read about it. I highly recommend it. But the thing I want to ask us today is, why did he do this? What made a Christian... A Christian, what made a disciple a disciple? And when you understand what God gives us, then you understand why he was so determined didn't matter. And so today I hope that we can all together massage our hearts and change our minds so we can change what we believe and change the way we, we live. But what's the heart behind our special mission? Not the contribution, the mission that we get to participate in. Here's the heart. Look at, look at what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Look at what happens when we share our faith and we study the Bible with people, we pray with them, and we bring them as sons to God. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about an adoption, a spiritual adoption. 
You know, we've got families here in the church that have adopted children. Most recently, Anthony and Yvonne Tejeda adopted a child. And I've seen this for many years. When children grow up who were adopted, they ask a question, where are my real parents? I know you guys love me and everything, but where are my real parents? And there's a lot of pain that comes with that because, or a foster child who grows up with their foster parents or their adoptive parents, they ask the question, where are my parents? Why did they leave me? Why did they abandon me? And there's a lot of pain that goes along with that. I'm not loved. And, and the overreaching message for adopted children is, in spite of the fact that your physical parents don't love you, guess what? There's parents that do love you. And how heart-melting that is to know that there's people out there who don't even know you who are willing to love you. The same would apply to spiritual adoption. There are people out in our community that are feeling the pain of they don't have a spiritual father. They don't have a spiritual family. And they feel abandoned. They feel pushed away. And you and I get to do what? We get to be the adopted brothers and sisters and say, you're loved by God. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you something that God loves you so much that he's willing to bring you into his family. He's willing to have a father-son, father-daughter relationship with you every day and to take you by the hand and lead you in your life. He goes on to say in verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles, the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Who is the adopted brother who, who did everything we needed? Jesus. And we have our foundation in Jesus. Jesus builds the bridge so we can be adopted. He goes on. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, So also when we were underage, we were in slavery, under elemental spiritual forces of the world. And, you know, you think, does slavery exist in the United States of America? I mean, really. There's no slavery, you would think. But you've got to go a little deeper. What about debt? There's slavery and debt. What, what, about, what about perversion? Addiction. Things we don't talk about in the open, but it's there, right? You know that when you're in debt, you feel like you're working for the bank, not for yourself? You can't get out from under it. You can't get any air. It seems like every month you're behind. You're behind. You're only making the interest payments, and you feel like, I'm never going to get out of debt. It's slavery. Then there's spiritual slavery. Do you know that there's men who can't stop looking at pornography? Even if they wanted to, they can't stop. You know, there's men and women who can't stop substance abuse in their lives. Do you know that there's, there's people in our society who can't stop thinking negative thoughts over and over? They're worthless, they're good for nothing, nobody loves them, and they have no future. What do you call that? You call it slavery. And Jesus came to set us free from that slavery. And, and, and if you're here today and you're a guest, 
And you, you can identify with what I'm talking about, even in the smallest way. I want to invite you to adoption. God wants to pull you out of that. See, because I had my own addictions and slavery, and I owned it. I said, I can't stop God even if I want to. I can't. At 21 years old, I can't stop this. I need your help. I need you to set me free from this. Even in the United States of America, I need to get set free from slavery. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that they might receive adoption to sonship. God will pull you in and say, listen, you're my son, you're my daughter. Let me teach you, let me show you. There are supernatural forces that can free you up from negative thinking, from substance abuse, addiction, and so many things. I've seen it. It's happening in our church. People have been set free. I've been set free from some incredible things. No more chains. I used to have, I used to have an anger problem. I mean, just go off. And to know now that I can have a marriage and family and not have that kind of stuff going on in my life, thanks to Jesus, thanks to God, who gives me the power to say, no, 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 I'm not going there. I didn't have that power before. And if you're a disciple and you're struggling with this kind of stuff, you've got to ask yourself, are you living in sonship or daughtership? Are you really tapping into the power that God has prepared for you? We read on. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. What kind of relationship are we talking about here? A close, intimate relationship where you can call. It's, this, is, this is the equivalent of daddy. That God loves you like that. And that he wants to change you like that. So this is, when we share our faith, when we're missionaries, we're not inviting people to church. We're not inviting people to higher knowledge, higher understanding. We're inviting people into a relationship with God, with Jesus. We're inviting people into a relationship with the Holy Spirit who gives them the power to do more than they can imagine in their lives. I know there are many of you here today, you couldn't, you, wouldn't, you couldn't have imagined yourself being where you are now. Having the marriage and the family that you have. I can't. I never would have imagined it. It's amazing. And this is just the beginning. God still has more in store for us. Verse 7. For you're no longer slaves, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Heir to what? Heir to everything he has. That's what, that's what the Bible says. You're an heir to the throne. I mean, that's awesome. God's saying, I'll, I'll give you everything that I have. And he proved it by giving us his son. He showed us. My hand is open. My heart is open. And I want to give to you. He goes on. Ephesians chapter 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light 
in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Okay, so you get adopted as sons. You get set free from slavery. And hear what he's talking about. You get pulled out of darkness. What is darkness? It's sin, but it's also a place that's not fun to be in. Are people happy in darkness? Maybe for momentary time, but dark, darkness is not a fun place to be in. And, and I just want to share with you guys because I, I, had, I had an incredible week this week. Uh, earlier in the week, I went to meet with a group of ministers or about six of us or 60 of us that met together for training and for time together and sat down with a brother and got open with him. And, and I want to be open with you because one of the challenges that, uh, you know, they gave us at the, at the conference is that, you know, as a minister, you try to be everything for everybody. You try to be strong for everybody. But the reality is you're not that strong. In fact, the reality is you were called out of darkness, but you can slip into a dark place of discouragement and teeter on even depression where you're weary and you're not sure if you can finish. I sat down with a brother, John Causey, very close friend, and we, we had, we had a life-changing talk. And as a very good friend, he starts to ask good questions. You know, and I, I got, I got, I mean, I feel complete confidence with John, and I said, you know, John, I gotta be honest. I'm tired. It's been a hard, hard road these last few months. And I'm feeling discouraged. And so he started just asking me, what, what, what's the reason? What, what's been happening? And he kind of walked through everything that's been happening the last few months and last six months, how we're doing. And he said, bro, your problem is, is that you're, you're thinking of all the negative things that are going on around you and, and you're not thinking of how God feels about you. And, and you know, you know when you just you know you, know, you just stop and you just go, okay, wait a minute. Say that again. <laughs> and then he then he shares with me, he starts sharing with me some scriptures, you know, about the, the, the woman that came to Jesus who was bleeding. We don't have time to go there, but maybe maybe here in the near future. But I just want to share with you guys where I was at this week and, and didn't really know it, there was, there was a darkness setting over my life. I was discouraged, and it's been on, going on for months, and I want you to know about it. My wife's known about it. She's been concerned. And what John told me was so awesome because he said the woman who came, she'd been bleeding for 12 years. She's in a crowded, crowded, you know, just full of people, and they're packed around Jesus. And she thinks to herself, if I can just touch Jesus' cloak, I'll be healed. So she thinks it, she believes it, and she does it. 
And Jesus stops in the middle of the crowd and says, who touched me? Who touched me? And his disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? you got thousands of people around you. Hundreds of people are touching you right now. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. Who touched me? Because I felt the power go out. The power of someone who thinks, who believes, and then acts on that belief. And John said, here's your problem. You're thinking, and you're believing, and there you are. You know, we talked about everything. There's not any, you know, sin going on or anything that's, you know, creating darkness. It's just, it's circumstance. And, and then it, it, I, I felt like there's been a series of failures in my life as a minister with decisions that I've made. And I remember sharing with a brother, I said, I, I think I got two strikes against me, and th strike three is coming around the corner. I'm not even sure if I should be doing this job. I mean, this is where I was. And John drew me out and he said, bro, your problem is, is you are thinking, you are thinking negatively about God. He loves you. I mean, you're talking to the preacher here, okay, guys? Think about what I'm saying. And he said, you've got to change the way you think. Imitate the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She thought it. She believed it. And so what I was convinced of, brothers and sisters, is that we've got to go back to being a faith-based church. That we believe, we think it, we believe it, and we act on it, and everything changes. You know, a few years ago we were doing that, and God was working in incredible ways. And I believe that some of you are in the similar situation that I am, and that you are thinking a lot of negative things about your marriage, you're thinking a lot of things about your kids. You're thinking a lot of things about your career and your life and yourself. And guess where you are? Right there. Darkness. If God calls us out of darkness, where does he want us to live? Are you in the light? I got to tell you, I was not in the light. But I left the conversation running running to the light. See, because God loves us not based on circumstances. He loves us completely. And one of the things you got to know, Christians who think, think, believe, and act on God's love, God, God works incredible things in their lives. And I know there's been reference points in my life where I've thought it, believed it, and God did it. So today I want to invite all of us to be missionaries and get out of this, whether you're a Christian or not, because you can slip back into darkness. You totally can. And I appreciate, I appreciate our family, our spiritual family, because John really pulled me out of a, a place I didn't even know I was. And then I, you know, we sat down with some of the house church leaders on Friday, and I appreciate these brothers so much because they're like, man, we're with you. You know, and, 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 and some of them started crying about their situation. And it's like, we, we got a, a, you know, a woman's tea party going on here. We're crying and, you know what I mean? And it was like, are we, we guys here or what? And like, no, 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 and then, no, 
We're just getting real. And so the, the, the five of us got together and we said, you know what, let's be faith-based from here forward. And I gotta tell you, since my conversation with John, it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle because stuff comes to you and it says, hey, think negative things. This went bad, this went bad, this went bad, this went bad. And you have to just fight. You gotta fight. No, that's not, that's, this doesn't define me. That's not what God feels about me. That's not the way I'm thinking. I think, believe, and God's gonna work. So all of us together, let's, let's get out of here. And let's do this. Let's live as children of light. What does light look like? It's happy. It's happy. It's, it's, like, it's a fiesta mexicana is what it is. With all, without, without all the tequila and locura. But it's a good time. But when we look at each other, when we look at each other, what do you see? I see the good in you. I see the good in you. You see the good in me because God sees us that way. So I want to invite you. We're going to begin this journey. We're going to hit the reset button. We're going to see the good that God has in store for us. All right, let's wrap this up. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, that you may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. He's talking to Timothy, which first lived in your who? Grandmother, Louis, Louis, Lois. And your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Look at how this is generational. Do you realize that what you are doing and how you are living is going to affect your children and your children's children? If you and I are missionaries, missionaries in our mind, in our faith, and in our actions, guess how it's going to affect our children and our children's children? If you are not, if you're negative, if you're always fighting and bickering and struggling and being negative and half depressed and discouraged, guess who's gonna follow you in that? Guys, today, if you're a guest here today, if you haven't been to church in a while, I wanna invite you back to God's family where you can think, where you can think what's right. And this, this was Timothy. Timothy became a powerful man of God. And we're going to close out in Isaiah 55 because I want to extend an invitation and then we've got a party to go to. We're late for our party. Isaiah 55, we've got to go into the scriptures for this one because it's too long to put on the screen. Isaiah 55, I, I want you to hear God's call. Listen to the words that he said through the prophet Isaiah. If you have a Bible, turn there, turn it on and, and, and read along with me. It says here, come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? How many of you got into the hype yesterday with the big fight? Fight, fight of the century, wasn't it? Oh, man, what all the hype. Wow. Fight of the century. Right? Huge fight. And after it was over, what would you feel? Wow. Okay, guess what? 
the fight last night, the fight last night was a mini version of life without God. You got this huge buildup, huge buildup. And it's like, really? Is this it? Is that it? Is that it? And that's what he's saying here. Why spend your money on what's not bread? Why invest your life in things that are not going to feed you, that are not going to give to you? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good. Feed on a relationship with God. Feed on purpose. Invest yourself in people is what he's saying. And you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. He's talking about Jesus. Surely you will summon nations you do not know, and nations you do not know will come running to you because the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. This is huge. I want to invite us today to forsake our actions and our thoughts. Because what you think, you believe, and what you believe, you become. So today, let's start thinking we're children of God. E even if you're not a Christian and you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't go to church, you're still a child of God, and he's inviting you to come close. To be a part of a spiritual family. And God doesn't call us into a relationship just so we can have an individual relationship and no family. No, the family comes with the Father. It's not one or the other. It's both and. And I need both. I want both. Let them turn to the Lord. This is so cool. Halfway down verse 7. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, he will freely pardon. I'm not going to charge you anything. And right now we're going to take up a collection because God has been so good to us, we're going to freely give. And you know what God's going to do with this? He's going to take it and he's going to use it in other places. You saw it. You're seeing it. We got our children back and it's so awesome. I want you to watch. Watch on our children. Look at the seeds that we're planting on our children filed through here. And they're going to give from their piggy bank or from wherever. And then when you give, listen, listen, when you give that envelope, okay, look, you give that envelope, it's okay if you say a prayer with it, okay? And like this, build your kingdom. Or you want to be more aggressive? Destroy hell with that money. Destroy the devil's work with that money. 
It's okay if you get loud in church a little bit if you want. Pray out loud. But I'm serious, guys. I'm serious. We need to give with faith. We need to walk in faith. We need to live in faith. And so today, I just want to say it by faith. We're not the Lighthouse Church only. We're a mission church. Okay, so say it with me. We're a mission church. One more time. We're a mission church. And because we're a mission church, I am a missionary. So I'm commissioning you off the sidelines of the pews of Christianity, the spectator sport, and this week I want to invite you to be in action. And when you identify yourself, why are you here in West Covina? Why are you here? I'm a missionary. And think that, think that, and God's going to use you in incredible ways. And I believe that. This summer we're going to see incredible things. Why? Because if you think it, you believe it, it's going to happen. Let's pray for the contribution, and then we're going to let our children come in. They're about to jump off the walls back there. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the message of Jesus, the message of Isaiah. Father, the message of your apostles. Thank you for the example of Polycarp, God, and how he said, bring whatever you've got. I will not let go of my relationship with you. Father, please help us to get there. I pray for us as a church, God. I, I want to pray over our church, God, that you'll please help every one of us to be set free from darkness, dark thinking, faithless thinking, that we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and reside and live in us and set us free from our thinking and from whatever else is holding us back. God, thank you for what we can do today and give to our brothers and sisters in Mexico and Central America. We pray that the work by faith can explode. God, please multiply what we're gonna give. We pray that you will destroy hell, that you will destroy Satan's work, and that you will build your church by faith. God, we love you. Thank you that we can give today. It's in Jesus' name we pray.